This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Olsen Salt, makers of Australian sea salt since 1948. Be the best, be the best for yourself, uh, be the best for uh, the customer, uh, give uh, your best to the people. And I think now we're kind of, we are ahead and we can drive from the front instead of constantly being on the back foot, which is good. It's good. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We've talked on many occasions how Australia's food culture is the result of waves of migration, how new Australians bring something special to the table and add further colour to the culinary offering. Some are so influential, they become the beating heart of a city's food scene and take it in a new and exciting direction. Oscar Rossi and Federica Andrizani are the chefs and owners of FICO in Hobart, Tasmania. Oscar, Federica, how are you? Yeah, good. How are you? Hi. Good. Hobart's food scene has blossomed in recent years and you've both been a massive part of that. Uh, Oscar, tell us what it's been like in the last couple of years to be part of this new wave of, um, of food in, in, in the capital of Tasmania. Uh, look, it's been pretty exciting. It was, uh, it was a shame, uh, you know, last year kind of ground everything to a bit of a halt for everybody, but um, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been very good. Federica, you're uh, not from Australia, you're from Italy, and you guys actually met over there. Um, what, what's it been like for you creating a, a restaurant in Australia, having um, grown up over in Italy? Very, very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is uh, we live in Tasmania in Hobart, not really, it's not really Australian in some way. Australia, I find Australia very multicultural, um, when Tasmania is very different. Uh, um, I born in Naples, Naples is a very chaotic city, um, beautiful but like really busy. Um, Tasmania is the opposite, Tasmania is uh, very quiet. Um, beautiful nature um, and the people uh, are, we live in an Ireland so the people are very like close in some way so it was not really easy uh, for me um, be part of a community in some way now it's very good like it's amazing but take uh, six years for be part of a Hobart. <laughs> well, I think to get the full FICO story, we need to go back in time a little bit. Oscar, can you tell us about your time in Melbourne and then um, how you guys came to meet over in Italy? Well, yeah, I kind of cooking started for me a little bit before that, actually. My, my dad migrated here from Czechoslovakia in the 70s. <clears throat> um, and he actually opened the first sort of restaurant cooking game Um focusing on game, doing sort of pigeon, hare, venison up in the Midlands, uh, you know, in between Hobart and Launceston in the 70s, which was, there weren't, there weren't many restaurants down here then. I think it was mainly in hot, hotels and things um, was kind of where the licences got given. Uh, yeah, and so I kind of grew up around him cooking at home, prepping game, and, you know, there'd be venison hanging in the in the shower and pheasants hanging <laughs> hanging all around <laughs> the place and, and stocks on all the time. So everything used to have this kind of pungent aroma of, of game cooking. Um, yeah. And then I went to, to Melbourne when I was 20 and did five years at Voodoo for Shannon, which was uh, definitely, if I could do it again, I absolutely would. 
cooked, cooked some good food, met some amazing people. Um, and then, yeah, went uh, and did six months in, in Oman at uh, Al Bustan with Josh. Josh Lewis was the head chef from Fleet. Uh, and then went to Italy, uh, Europe, um, worked on the boats for a couple of years outside of, out of Mallorca, which was amazing sort of being able to cook the sort of food you want to cook and different produce, different cultures. You know, you'd, one, one day you'd wake up and you're in Turkey uh, and you'd go off to the markets and, you know, yeah, it was, it was great. And then sort of in the off season, we got uh, time. So I used to go stage. Uh, around the place and a good friend of mine, Lorenzo, who I met working at Vu actually, um, <clears throat> had just got his first star at uh, El Coq in the Veneto, uh, which was where I met Freddie. Federica, tell, tell us about that that time um, when you guys met and um, cause, because it led to you moving to Australia, but take us back to then. Uh, it was um, more than seven years ago when I met Oscar. Uh, was um pastry chef in uh, El Coq and um, I had a very good time there. I was working already for like a couple of years, I think, there when I met Oscar. And uh, he arrived, uh, I think he had like a lunch and dinner the same day there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I bring a couple of dessert over on the table. I explain uh, in my very, very bad English because at the time I was not speak one word in English. and uh, after that, uh, we spent a couple of days in the kitchen together um, for like um, dish development or uh, study new dishes uh, um, together. And uh, we decided to open a restaurant together after a week. We was working together pretty much. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was very good connection. <laughs> I mean, I think it was, it was probably a little bit tongue in cheek at the time, but it was, yeah, it was something that kind of never stopped. And uh, here we are. <laughs> Well, how did you make that decision to move uh, to Australia and, and start the journey which led to FICO? Um, we decided to just have a holiday. So we went in Tasmania for a holiday for like um, a month. I have a working holiday visa, something like this. It was like three months, something like this. And um, we decided to do just one pop-up in uh, a Criterion uh, street cafe uh, that is uh, owned by a friend of Oscar. So um, she was very happy. So we did like uh, just one pop-up, Saturday night pop-up. That was obviously closed during the night. Um, so after that, we decided to do three months pop-up and extend my visa. And uh, in the end, it was probably eight months. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was great. It was very successful. Uh, the people love it because uh, at the time it was probably just garagist, um, a good restaurant going out. So like uh, different, we was doing different food and uh, yeah, it was always full. It was great. It was, a, it was a really good way to kind of actually road test having a restaurant and kind of get an idea of what we wanted to do and, you know, engage the interest of, of, of the community and yeah, without the overheads or the risk of actually opening a place. Have your own place. <laughs> well, we can get to um, a bit Fico shortly in detail, but how different uh, was the food back then in the early days of the pop-ups compared to what's going on now? 
Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, it was, but yeah, you imagine you know you, you you're doing prep off site, and then you have to load everything into the back of a car, or, you know, back of a refrigerated truck, and get it there. And uh, and you know, you're walking into a, a cold kitchen. You know, everyone else has got all their prep in the drawers, and you know, you need to kind of clean down and set up, and it, it's pretty chaotic. I wouldn't go back to doing pop ups in a hurry. <laughs> Federico, uh, you hadn't spent much time in Tasmania before embarking on all of that. How different? Uh, is it dealing with the produce and uh, living in Tasmania compared to what you had uh, back back home and working in the kitchens there? Well, um, yeah, it's very difficult to find a good product if you don't have a connection. When in Italy, it's like everywhere is super easy. You don't need to have a connection with the, the, the people that grow in the food that you cook. You can have it, but you don't need. Uh, here, you need to have a very good connection with them. Like, it's a very good question because, for example, in one hour, we will go to Susie uh, because tomorrow we have a function in the restaurant. So we'll go there and Susie have, like, a backyard when she grow all uh, the vegetables and herbs. Um, it's all organic. We go there, have a look at what she have, and uh, building the menu around that. And after that, we go see Phil. He's uh, the pigeon man. So he growing pigeon. Uh, he's just out to Broadmarsh. And um, he's a very special man. But it was very nice because I was a little bit sick last week. So yesterday he called up Oscar and said, how Freddie feel? She's good. So it's like a, really almost like a family. You know, we call each other. We are worried about each other. We go see each other. We go for a lunch to feel. We don't go and take pigeons. We go just see him. Yeah. In those early days with the pop-ups, was there uh, any times when things just went wrong and you thought that this wasn't the right thing to do? Oh, I make one day. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so many times. <laughs> but like, I can remember because in you know, like we have like a small fridge and a small fridge or something something like this. I don't know what's happened. Somebody left like the door open over like the fridge and I have all my pasta inside. And uh, I put the pasta in the, the, um, in the, the boiling water and the, the, the tortelli start crack. And I have like potato feeling like almost liquid and all the feeling starts coming out. That was nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we, we, yeah, because we opened kind of with sort of on a shoestring, shoestring budget, I guess you could say. And it, there was a long, like it took a long time to find <clears throat> a backer or somebody to sort of just get us off the ground enough. And then even longer to find a space. Like I remember we used to walk around the streets of Hobart looking at every possible space. <laughs> and I mean, it's all, it's, diff it's difficult when you're looking at change of use and everything, you know, there's some spaces that would work, but you know, by the time you look at, all the bits and pieces behind it, it's not that easy to find a, a suitable restaurant site, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. So there were times when it was like, we, we ended up going back to Italy um, and we were almost going to open in La Marche, uh, in Fano on the Adriatic. And we had a kind of a place, a place locked in and it was all going well. And we came back here to do a, a wedding for um, some, some good, good friends and, it all fell through while we were back here. So we ended up basically staying and, uh, and deciding to focus on opening in, in Hobart. Well, you did find a site and um, Fico's just um, exploded as one of the best restaurants, not only in Hobart, but in the country, and you've won many accolades. T tell us about the restaurant and 
how do you work together in the kitchen to create the dishes? Oh, um, uh, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> um, right now, well, Oscar is the majority in the kitchen. I am on the floor most of the times um, uh, because we find a lot uh, easier have uh, one of us uh, that welcome the customer uh, i'm still working in the kitchen i do like a one service a week in the kitchen and also like all the prep and stuff like this um but uh working working like with oscar is pretty easy most of the times and working like uh, think about this together is like just natural that's not we don't need to force each other to think about dishes we just speak all the time about like a, a product uh, or what we can do with this uh, or this is an idea i have and if i start with an idea he finish the idea i have we help each other most of the times um so it's just like supernatural with yeah, it's not work. It's just like a, a nice conversation uh, that is like 24 hours on 24, pretty much. <laughs> Oscar, can you take us through a dish or two and um, explain how that collaboration works? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think, for, honestly, it's, uh, yeah, it's, the, it's the reason um, the restaurant has done well is because the way we work together. I think that's like the beating heart of everything. Um, you know, I think without that, the place wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be anything, I think. And I think it translates into into the food, the atmosphere, everything. It's like, yeah, the love and care that is, like Freddie says, 24 and 24. <laughs> you know, it's both our, both our life, passion and dream, doing what we're doing and to find someone you can do it with and make it work, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a good, good test for the relationship is to open a restaurant together. <laughs> it doesn't always end well. <laughs> This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Olsen Salt, Australia's oldest family-owned salt company. It's probably one of the most sustainable industries on earth. There have been uh, salt fields in Africa and Europe for thousands of years that they're still taking salt off. And, you know, the product is beautiful and I'm really proud of it. Hi, I'm Alex Olsen from Olsen Sea Salt. Salt all over the world can taste differently and that's because salt has character in the same way that a wine has character from where it's grown. So salt from the Air Peninsula has a very fresh, clean, crisp flavour that some of the best chefs in Australia appreciate. My father took 10 years to develop the sea salt flakes and he didn't want to release them until they were good enough to be put on the world stage. And this is a justification of that 10 years of hard work that he put into making the sea salt flakes world standard and an affirmation to him that what he did and all those plans and all that hard work has not been in vain. For more information, go to olsons.com.au. Well, tell us a bit about the food and the experience that, that diners have when they come to the restaurant. Um, I, I guess it's a little bit of a, like, I mean, like any, any good restaurant, but it's a little bit of a reflection of our own personal journeys and, you know, what, what we like when we go out to eat and, you know, what we like to cook. Um, and we try to, yeah, we've tried, I guess, the advantage of not having a, a budget to start with is that you get to do things over time. Um, so it's been quite an organic process, a slow one over the last four years. In fact, we just we just closed for a reno 
last week. That's why we couldn't couldn't chat, unfortunately, because we were covered in dust. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think this is kind of one of the final stages of, of the restaurant. Um, and it's like we've gotten a little bit warmer. All the walls are ochre, dropped all the lighting down. Uh, my dad did these beautiful tables. Um, he's an artist and he doesn't normally make tables, but he made some for us uh, with inlays of wood. And they had quite a dark stain on them, so we've sanded them all back. <clears throat> and they're, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and they're really, really beautiful and light now. Um, so it's kind of like coming into our home, I guess. It's like, yeah, it's quite a warm, warm space, and it's just, it's reflected in the cooking. You know, we like to have a little bit of playful fun with snacks in the beginning. Um, so quite a few, quite a few different snacks, four, five, six snacks, um, and then we move into pasta. Risotto, which we cook alamanute, obviously. Um, beautiful Tasmanian truffles, usually all year, mostly all year round. There's a bit of a, th- a three-month gap, but coming into winter ones now. Uh, some pigeon or hare or venison for main course. Usually try to stick with game, you know, something interesting that, you know, not everyone cooks. Down here you get wild shot hares pretty frequently and, uh, and pigeons from Phil. Uh Unfortunately, they haven't allowed us to use wild venison yet, but, you know, I think that's been a, a topic of conversation for about the last 50 years. When, when, they'll, when they'll loosen those laws up a little bit. Um, yeah, and then just a bit of fun with dessert, you know. It's, yeah, also lucky enough to have uh, my father do quite a few pieces for the restaurant, so there's, like, some art, you know, yeah. You mentioned the background growing up with your father with game meat and also that's reflected on the menu at FICO. What's the response been like to having game meat on the menu? Because as you say, there's not a lot of restaurants that feature it so extensively as you do. Uh, I mean, yeah, always always good. People, uh, hair is always a good one, kind of that's something people don't often eat. Um, I think actually probably the most problem we've had is with wallaby. People have got something against about wallaby. <laughs> I think it's uh, probably because they're cute, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but no, really good. It's funny we, we had a, a lamb brain tortelli dish on, which we kind of we like to do awful as well, um, and we expected quite a lot of rebuff from that. But actually, nobody. Everyone, everyone just uh, yeah gets into it and enjoys it, which is. Surprising, even the kids. <laughs> Federica, can you take us back to when you first started getting interested in food and and kind of what led to a career in hospitality? Um, well, I was a very hungry baby, <laughs> a hungry kid. My mom always like, uh, yeah, she always tell me that uh, I was really hungry. Um, and uh, I love food. Like uh, when I was little, I'm just like I was surrounded over people cooking. My mom, my grandmother, my father, everybody's cooking. And in my family, we always uh, have a lunch, for example. And in the meantime, we have a lunch. We think about what we're cooking tonight. Um, so it's um, I yeah I have very I grew up with a very good uh, cooks like my mom and my father are pretty amazing they are, they are not chefs they are not cooks they just cook at home obviously um but um, yeah well in naples uh, all the food in naples is uh, fantastic uh, in italy in general um so thanks to my family and my country um i would like uh, i'm just start cooking when i was little um just for my family because my mama was a uh, 
working until later. Uh, it was, was just me and my sister, so I've started cooking. Um, I did um, artistic school because uh, my mom don't uh, want uh, I start a cooking career. Uh, she's a teacher. Uh, and my father is a doctor, so was a little bit like be a chef is not really what you need to do. <laughs> um, after finish artistic school, I continue ask them if I can start cook. They say no. Uh, do university, great. <laughs> I study anthropology for three years. Um, yeah, and actually that was very important for uh, moving to Australia and for uh, my cooking career. Understand was very open mind time. Um, my father in that, my, my mother and my father was like separated. So my father was living in the market at the time. Now they are back together, but this is another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, my father called me and say, you know what, uh, you are so testadura, he said, hard head. I understand you want to be a chef. I have one opportunity for you is a six month stage in uh, three Michelin star uh, is a friend of mine. Wow. Um, have this restaurant. Do you want to come? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Uh, he's obviously say it's for free. So they obviously don't pay you. You will clean the muscles for six months, but you probably learn something if you like. Um, so he tried to break me pretty much. This is what he was trying. <laughs> um, I did the six months in this amazing restaurant. It's called Uliassi. It's uh, the best fish restaurant in Italy. It's top uh, 15 in the world. It's just like amazing. And uh, I was so lucky to find them because uh, they are like... Uh, a family restaurant still. So the people that work in this restaurant, they work for the last 30 years there. You know what I mean? Like uh, no one is new. Everybody like, it's like a family. It's fantastic philosophy. Um, and after that, uh, I decided to don't go back to university and continue. I stage for probably for the first two years of my career because uh, I, I always want to work in a good restaurant. Uh, if you don't have like uh, a, a curriculum, decent curriculum, <laughs> nobody take you. So um, I studied in um, uh, Reale, that is an, another amazing restaurant in Abruzzo. Uh, and after that, I started to work uh, a little bit more uh, serious and professional in uh, Milan, in Tristardia La Scala, um, and uh, in uh, Le Marche again. And uh, I went in a cock in the end, and I met Tosca. <laughs> What's it been like? For you, Fico uh, is uh, Italian at its foundation, uh, the food that you do there, but you're using Australian ingredients like wallaby, which is, does not feature in Italy. What's it been like using Australian ingredients and translating that through food? Well, I think uh, um, Italian food is a philosophy. It's not what uh, you what ingredient you use is more like a kind of uh, philosophy. So it's how you cook the things, um, how you look at the product, how you treat the product. And uh, uh, like, for example, we, we, cook, we do risotto, no? Uh, Oscar said we cook a la minute, we cook al dente. Um, and is how we cook the risotto that is Italian is not what we put inside the risotto. And obviously we use carnalori rice, we never can use arborio rice. That makes sense? So it's the philosophy behind the dish. It's not what you put inside. You guys have been you know, one of the main restaurants really leading the charge for the new wave of dining in Tasmania. Uh, Oscar, what's it been like the last year? What sort of impact has 
COVID had on what you guys do in in such a small state? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> there's the obvious negative impact of closures. You know, it's always sad to lose good restaurants. Um, I guess the the positive ones, the interesting ones, is like I mean, something we always kind of tiptoed around was doing set menu only. Um, and it, this has kind of, I guess, pushed people towards that. Uh, <clears throat> when, you know, I mean, it, there's nothing more heartbreaking when you've got a, a busy Friday night and you have two tables uh, come in at seven. So they've got the table for the whole night and they have one glass of wine and two antipasti in four people and sit there for three and a half hours. It's like, you know, guys, come on, this isn't a lounge room. <laughs> uh, you know, with, so now... Yeah, given given a lot of people the confidence, I know Agrarian's gone tasting only, um, Diamaker's now tasting only. I think you know there's there's quite a few places, not just in Tassie, that have kind of gone down that road. And I mean, it just gives you more opportunity to focus and more opportunity to actually give people a, a solid three hour experience. You know, a bit of escapism. Um, that's been a big positive for sure. Federica, Italy is still having its challenges with COVID. What are you hearing from family and friends back home? Uh, look like nothing changed for the last year, pretty much. So um, they went to lockdown uh, a year ago. They are still in the same situation. Um, yeah, it's not a happy place. My sister lives in London. My parents live in Italy. And they are just, like, exhausted. Um, yeah, don't, don't, n- nobody can see, actually, the, the light uh, still. Oscar, can you give us a sense of what it's like in Hobart at the moment? There's uh, regional centres in Australia are really booming as uh, people can't travel overseas and they're really exploring Australia. What's it been like for you guys? I mean, it's kind of, uh, yeah, like, good. Um, the town's well and truly back alive. I mean, it's 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 quite, quite difficult because obviously Freddie speaks to her parents every day and her sister every day. I've got friends in Europe. Um quite a few guys in the kitchen have have mates in europe and you know just how 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 good we've got it here um is is pretty special uh and i, I don't don't think people should take it for granted you know the events of the last year have impacted many and it continues to globally what what sort of positive changes has it had on on you personally federica <laughs> um is is for us like the lockdown was um, almost almost I don't want to say <laughs> almost a positive thing. So we was uh, before um, just before COVID hit. Uh, um, me and Oscar have a little bit of uh, um, uh, trouble in some way. Uh, was like overstressed. We was overworking. We was like uh, yeah working so hard and uh, obviously this impact our relationship. So um, we have time to stay at home together for three weeks, four weeks, and uh, think about and speak about what's the future of the restaurant, what's the future of our relationship. And uh, yeah, well, why, 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 why are we actually doing this? You know, what, what do we want out of it? Yeah, what is important for us? And yeah, and, 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 and now we do like we work like four days a week. Uh, we have a couple of days off that we spend together at home and it's very nice. Uh, we never did that before. We never have like, time to actually sit down on the table, cook something for us uh, and uh, have a nice conversation when we eat uh, a nice food cook from, you know, 
at home. Um, our day off was always like, we have only one day off, so we need to go out and da 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 da. Now it's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you never have a time in hospitality before or like in, in, in our life to just like uh, just calm down and relax for a second. We have a couple of days off, we don't need to do everything in 24 hours, <laughs> but just because we work so hard. <laughs> Um, the other big positive is actually that it's pushed the restaurant now to a, a three and a half day working week. So we do the luxury of having a prep shift on Thursdays and then we do three days of services, um, which is really great for the guys. It's great for us. And it's probably another thing that we wouldn't have been able to make happen if we didn't have the time to think about how to do it. One of the beautiful things that you guys do is you feature your the producers that you use on your website and really champion them on the menu. Uh, what's, what's so great about uh, produce in Tasmania once you make those connections? <laughs> um, so, like, we fight so hard for find uh, the best product obviously and um, like uh, we, we like uh, for find them take a, a lot of time and uh, um but when you find and you make that connection what the people give it to you is just like uh, unbelievable so like i mentioned before susie phil uh, but there is still like the fisherman that is aiden and then call us whenever like fresh fish and it's like every week he goes out fishing probably twice, two, three times a week, um, and he'll call you the night before. So fish has been out of the water for six, seven hours, and it gets dropped off. He's usually got, you know, got the boat on the trailer and uh, you know a couple of big eskies on the back. Wow! And uh, it's 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 spectacular. You know, you, it's kind of better than Tokyo fish market sort of fish. Um, but that being said, you know, sometimes you won't hear from him for three weeks, <laughs> you know, um, so there'll be no fish. Uh, so it does make cooking a little bit different. Uh, you kind of have to be flexible on changing dishes pretty quickly and pretty, yeah, you need to be fluid in, in the cooking a little bit more. Um, from working in Melbourne and stuff where, you know, you know you're going to be able to get something for X amount of time and you can run the dish for two months and not really change it uh here it's yeah one one day to the next depending on what's available you just finger cross and hope that the dish work because you never know <laughs> you mentioned that uh the last year has given you pause and made you uh find balance in your lives between work and and home how much has changing that and finding that balance sort of changed you guys and the way you approach uh, your careers well, personally, like uh, before, I have a little bit different mentality uh, about like restaurants and uh, career. And like my father, when he understand I want to be a chef, he say, I don't care what you do in your life, just be the best. And I always take this uh, um, very, <laughs> like uh, in my heart, uh, it's like, I think like if you need to do something, you need to do properly and you need to be the best. Until last year, I was thinking that be the best, meaning have like three heads and uh, stress yourself so much for be the best and have recognition. Now I change a little bit um, my mind and I think be the best, be the best for yourself, uh, be the best for uh, the customer, give uh, your best to the people. That is a little bit different. Oscar, have you felt the change as well as a result of the last year? Yeah, I mean, oh, definitely. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, a hard one to sum up. It's it's probably still 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 happening, <laughs> to be honest. 
But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just a, a, approach, like Freddie said, a, you know, approach to uh, to work and yeah, where where I guess where we're going in in five years, ten years, um, and and making the restaurant and the whole journey sustainable over a long period and actually and 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 have fun doing it is isn't easy um it, you know when you like we spent so long looking for for the site and then you know you open and you know we didn't actually start thinking about the food until we were halfway through the first service and it was like fuck what are we doing <laughs> uh you know because it was like it was all the all the things we had about two and a half months to open we opened on the 18th of december middle of christmas everything and it was like and since then it was just bananas you know it was basically always on the back foot always trying to catch up always trying to get ahead um and i think now we're kind of we are ahead and we can kind of actually you know drive drive from the front instead of yeah constantly being on the back foot which is good it's good uh, take a four and a half years yeah it took four and a half years but uh well oscar and federica hats off to you guys for what you've um, gifted hobart and what you will come moving forward as well it's extraordinary what you do and we've loved hearing your story today on deep in the weeds um please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon thank you yeah thanks Oscar. it was a pleasure this is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPA community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>